so it, it's one of the most important parts about legislating which you do discover and you learn is once again to to care about the person and if you have a relationship with these people it's going to cause you to hey we might disagree my district might need something differently but we're going to disagree in a professional way and yeah. a way that's respectful and that's something that's okay i mean i think you walk into any profession or any building but especially the Oklahoma state legislature, any legislative body. And if you think you're always going to agree with anybody, it's just not going to happen. So doing it in an agreeable way, one of my favorite sayings, and I try to live by it. I'm not perfect is it's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to be disagreeable. This is the leaders we need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Welcome back to The Leaders We Need. I am your host, Joel Harder. I'm so excited that you've joined me today for this conversation with Representative Ryan Martinez. In the current political moment that we find ourselves in, so often we look at our elected leaders solely as a caricature made up of the political party they're affiliated with or the particular policies that we hear from them. An important part of shaping a better culture, a culture of civility integrity and servant leadership, both in our public discourse and in the policymaking arena, is looking at our leaders through a different lens. That's a part of what we do through capital culture and specifically through the leaders we need. What we are doing is looking at the people who are serving in positions of leadership. We want to learn from their history, their background, what motivated them to seek office. And what are those things that they're passionate about and really find that they can do well and do effectively now that they're serving in elected office? Today, we're going to start a conversation with Ryan Martinez. He is a representative from the Edmond area, and he represents District 39. He is currently the chair of the House Redistricting Committee and the State and Federal Redistricting Committee. He previously served as the chairman of the Budget and Commerce Committee, and he also serves on the House Appropriations and Budget Committee currently. Before his time in office, Ryan was a field representative in Washington, D.C. for U.S. Senator Jim Inhofe, and he also previously served as the Director of Leadership, Member, and Public Relations for the Oklahoma House of Representatives under the previous Speaker of the House, T.W. Shannon. You're really going to enjoy this conversation that I had with Ryan because we're going to learn a little bit about why he first got involved in politics. What was it that motivated him to seek office? Who were those key people that influenced him and continue to shape his leadership now? Before we jump into this conversation with Ryan Martinez, if you have not already, take a moment And make sure you subscribe to The Leaders We Need. On whatever platform that you use to listen to podcasts, you can find us, subscribe, and follow every podcast episode that we're going to be putting out. When you hear something that you like, be sure that you rate us. Leave a comment. Let us know what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and share these podcasts with others. We want more people engaging in these conversations and helping us together to shape a culture that will move Oklahoma forward. Well, let's jump into the conversation with Representative Ryan Martinez on the leaders we need. 
When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. Well, Ryan, I am so excited to have you on The Leaders We Need. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule here a few weeks before the session gets going. Welcome. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and, and your book that you've written. Me and my wife are big fans, and we talked to a lot of people about it, and I just think you're doing great work, so I'm honored to be here. I really appreciate it. Well, have you written a review yet? <laughs> I'm happy to write a review Uh I wouldn't be surprised my wife has. I mean, she's, she's such a big fan. I mean, she's she has a probably prepared review that she gives to all of our friends. So. Well, that was my that was my veiled <laughs> veiled compliment because she she has, and I appreciate you guys so much. Yeah. And I uh, really just excited for the upcoming legislative session. I have had such an incredible opportunity over the last few years to get to know you and to get to know your colleagues in the House and in the Senate, and to see just how that process works. You know, we often look at politics and look at you as leaders and we see the policies or the votes that you're putting up. And, and I get to really see the people that yeah. are in that place that are doing that work. And it's long, hard days. And I'm just grateful uh, to get to know you and to know that you're one of one of our representatives serving in the legislature at this time. So I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone who comes on the leaders we sure. need. And that is, if you would kind of go back into your history a little bit and think back on some of the experiences, maybe the people in your life that at the time you didn't see how these experiences or people were really contributing to what would become how you are serving and leading your leadership style now. But in retrospect, you know, they really were significant to your leadership. Yeah, no, thank you very much for that. Uh, it's funny. So I think about a lot of the experience that I had early with leadership in my life and, and a lot of it harkens back to my family. You know, I come from a pretty large family with uh, a lot of aunts that spoiled me to death and, uh, you know, just a very close knit family that did a lot of things together. And my dad to me is a, is a leader in an interesting way that I always remember observing his style. And even to this day, very quiet man, very calm man somebody that you want to initially meet and say, wow, that's a outspoken, boisterous leader. He's not going to give you the, the great speech or, you know, be, be that very charismatic type of leader, but, uh, controlled, thoughtful, mm -hmm. quiet. Uh, so to me that, I think that was probably the earliest view of leadership for me was to see somebody that you don't have to be the loudest person in the room to be the best leader. A yeah. lot of times being the listener, and learning about people and learning how you could help them and really understanding that human being uh, can really make you an influential person in people's lives. So through, throughout uh, my upbringing, you know, seeing my dad in his work functions and and uh, his ability to mentor younger people and things like that, it's, it's just a different kind of view than I think uh, than we see today in the, in the public eye 
the public eye would suggest, hey, you got to be the loud, boisterous, charismatic person. Absolutely. Completely different style, but extremely effective. Where did the desire to get into politics or policy making first start for you? Sure. So it's a very, it's kind of a funny story and, and my wife always laughs when I tell it, but uh, it's always a good reminder if you ever go speak at a career day or any of those things, you know, you're always kind of thinking, you know, that these kids don't care about what I'm talking about. Every once in a while, there's one kid that's listening. So uh, the town that I grew up in, you know, my family was a large family, very politically apathetic. I mean, didn't really talk about politics. Weren't They weren't that involved. Probably a few people voted. I remember I was in third grade. A girl that was in my class, her dad was the mayor of the town that we lived in. He came to career day. And I'll never forget it because it was a whole litany of parents coming in. You know, someone's dad was a police officer and came. And of course, as a third grader, that was amazing to talk to the police officer or the firefighter. Well, the mayor comes in. Nobody was really very interested in talking to him except for one kid. And that was me. Yeah. And and I don't know what it was, but I just thought it was the coolest thing that this guy was the mayor of our town. And so I, <clears throat> I questioned him. I talked to him and, uh, he was generous enough to let a third grader help out on his campaign as much as a third grader can yeah. the next time around. So I got the bug. And ever since then, I knew I was like, this is a guy making changes. He cares about people and he gets to help people. This is something I want to do one day. Yeah. What did you do in politics before running for office? Yeah. So for me, I, I was blessed in a lot of ways. I was fortunate. You know, I, I, I'm originally from uh, just north of Denver. Um, so even throughout college, I kind of got involved with uh, college Republicans, kind of started working on some different campaigns on a volunteer basis, um, had some opportunities to work in the Colorado legislature throughout college, ended up in Oklahoma. That's a long story, but became an Okie, loved being an Oklahoman and uh, just really kind of got the bug, you know, had met more people that I believed in that were running for public office, uh, helped them out and realized like, hey, there's a little bit of a business here to where. I was helping people run their campaigns, coach them, help them develop their messaging, do all that good stuff. It led to a lot of opportunities. I got to work for uh, one of the best U.S. senators in, in history, and Jim Inhofe. I uh, got to work with him and, and some of the great people in his office. Worked with my friend T.W. Shannon when he was the Speaker of the House in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So just really blessed with some opportunities that uh, I didn't quite frankly deserve at the time, and people were generous with their time and experiences. We were talking a little bit about this before we started recording. Um, Kind of take me through how you decide who you want to work with and work for and help in their campaigns. Sure. Kind of what's that process look like for you? It's an interesting question, you know, because it's hard to separate the business aspect from the things that you're personally, personally passionate about. And, um, for me, something that always worked is I, I love to sit down with maybe a potential candidate or somebody that's thinking about running, meet their family. I mean, you get a really good view of who this person is as a human yeah. being yeah. and what motivates them by based off of whether it's a kid, their kids or a spouse or parents or aunts, uncles. I think you just get a really good feel for that. And for me, it's easy to get passionate about somebody that uh, steps up and say, hey, I'm running for office. But they've been a leader anyway. They didn't need the yeah. title to be yeah. a community leader or a church leader. or And then they've been leading and they've been working for a better Oklahoma or a better uh, America or, you know, whatever community they're in. And they didn't necessarily need the title to do it. 
to me, it's easy to get passionate about that yeah. person. And that's a great point. You know, leadership can really come from within and you can be an influencer and you can be someone who's motivating people to work hard for a preferable future. That's one of my favorite definitions sure. of leadership. Um, but there is something about then seeking certain offices because we live in a society that is made up of of leaders and leadership positions where certain authority is located. And so you take that leadership uh, character, that those leadership qualities now into an office where you can hold and steward certain power and authority to accomplish good. Absolutely. Yeah. You've worked for a lot of different campaigns. You've kind of gotten to know uh, elected leaders, but what was it? And this is one of my favorite questions sure. to ask uh, elected leaders. What was that thing or that moment that put you over the edge and say, okay, I'm going to put my family through the rigors of a campaign <laughs> and run myself for office? What was that for you? Yeah. One of the things that early on, after I first got elected, there was a group of us that had kind of been around politics, kind of knew what we we're getting ourselves into. And they, they affectionately named us the should have known better caucus. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so uh, in a lot of ways, it was in jest. But, you know, it, it was one of those things where I always imagined that some point in my life, Lord willing, I would run for public office. I thought it had been later in life. Yeah. You know, that this is a timing is everything in politics and finding a, a time where it works for your family, being able to give the sacrifice of your time, but financial sacrifices, everything that goes along with it. Um you know, the opportunity came up where we live in Edmond, where Marion Cooksey, wonderful lady, served 12 years in the legislature, was term limited. It was time for her to step down. Didn't really think it would be my time to do this. Started visiting with people around town that were interested and prayed about it and talked about it and did everything I could to resist doing it and not doing it, dragging my feet. And it was just pretty clear that this was the time to do it and that God would provide and answer some of the questions that I needed if it worked out. And, uh, yeah. so here, here we are. And as usual, my wife being the smart one in our marriage was encouraging me the whole way and said, do it. It's time to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and it came, you know, it's really an opportunity to help people. Mm -hmm. I see it as a chance of my wife and I, when we first got married, we always kicked around this idea of we both want to be missionaries, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's so neat to think about going to some exotic place where you could help people and, you know, really, be passionate about something, help people to come to know Jesus and share this amazing story of how we were saved and all that, all the great stuff that goes along with it. So we prayed about it for a long time. Well, God has a sense of humor. And one of the missions that we had is we worked in a retirement community in Edmond. My mm -hmm. wife was actually employed there, but we spent a lot of time there, started viewing that as a mission. You know, there were a lot of people there that were dealing with different issues and that we were able to minister to befriend and help out through this time in their life yeah became very passionate about helping that that group so this is another avenue just to help people yeah so. well and it reminds me there's a, a famous story uh, from england uh, people may be familiar with it of william wilberforce who held a seat in parliament and kind of had that struggle internally about feeling a call to go into more traditional uh, religious ministry and whether that was as a pastor or a missionary and and yet was in this unique position 
of, of authority and power and saw a real need in an area to serve. And I can't remember off the top of my head exactly who it was. I've, I've heard some people say it was John Newton. Sure. It might have been somebody else who simply said, you know, I humbly suggest that you do both. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's not to conflate these two roles, but sure. it's to recognize that ability to to serve people, to help people. It's something you really can do and and need to do and should do yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in office. So how long have you been in the legislature now so as you get I'm, ready to go into this next session? I'm ready to start my fifth session. So okay. I finished up two terms, about to start my third term. Okay. Just looking back on your time so far in the legislature, what are the things that you discovered yeah. coming into office that maybe you didn't expect you would learn or you would experience when you enter the legislature? Yeah, so the thing to me that that was most, we kind of touched on a, a little bit earlier, but just to kind of go into more detail is the relationship side of once you're elected and you become part of this group of people, there's this human element that you mm-hmm. often don't think of. It's easy to view an elected official or politician as a character or, you know, not even a real human being. Yeah. But once you're in the thick of it, you start to realize all the human things that are going on, all the the life experiences and the and just the just the struggles that come with doing this or any other job, quite frankly. So to me, it was eye-opening to say the least to really step back and try to understand my colleagues try to understand uh the constituents that are coming to me realize the human element they're not just a name they're not just a number but this is an actually living breathing human being where if they're coming to me with an issue or concern this is truly affecting their life and their well-being and so to me the emotional investment and those types of things things were absolutely i mean i don't know what i thought was going to happen But I didn't realize the emotional investment that would be put into something like this. One of the things that I often reflect on the podcast and when I talk to leaders is you coming into the legislature, serving in this particular way. There are certain policy interests, uh, things that you are particularly knowledgeable of, passionate about, see the needs and opportunities to enact change. And you come in maybe with a specific portfolio of policies that are really, really important to you. And let's just, you know, pull one out of the air. I'm going to ask more specifically, but, you know, say it's transportation or infrastructure, and that's something that you're really passionate about. But you still got to vote on education. That's exactly right. And you still got to vote on, (laughs) you know, uh, tax policy. The human element that you talk about, the relationship building, from my perspective, and I'd love to hear you just share some reflections on this. One of the things that makes that so important is you really do have to lean on each other. Absolutely. And your particular areas of of knowledge, expertise uh, are very helpful to your colleagues that maybe don't have those. And and likewise, uh, you have to lean on them. What does that look like in building those relationships so that you can be an effective legislator voting on all these policies? Sure, sure. So the the thing about it is, it's all based off of trust, right? Mm-hmm. So like you said, you get elected. This is this is always something that is amazing to me and shocking. You get elected, you get sworn in a week later, and bam, you're supposed to know everything about everything, right? right? Like you you try to learn as much as you can, and no matter how hard you try, you realize like this is impossible. So you start to find people that have areas of expertise that you could truly trust, mm-hmm. that you know are going to shoot you straight, 
They're going to tell you how it is. They're not going to try to pull one over on you. Um, it's funny you say different areas of policy, but even different regions of the state. So yeah, uh, that's a good point. Something that I, I've realized really quick is there's a couple of my colleagues that are from very rural areas that, um, you know, it might be a farming and ranching type of background or something agricultural in nature that's going to affect their district in a very specific way versus mine. I'm, you know, my district's very suburban to urban. So specific issues are a little bit different in Edmond versus, you know, Idabel. Right. So you, you learn to to build those relationships with those people where you could go talk to them and say, hey, listen, I don't think this is going to affect my district very much. Lay it out for me what this does to your district if I vote yes or no on this specific piece of legislation. Now it's a two-way street. I'll have some of those same colleagues come to me and say, hey, listen, this isn't really a problem in you know, whatever rural community I represent, but I know it is for you. Explain to me what the problem is. And so you build those relationships to where, hey, Representative Martinez is going to be honest with me. He's not he's going to give me both sides of an argument, you know, uh, and vice versa. So it's super important. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck trying to research some things that are you don't have time or the ability because it's moving a million miles a second. And you're trying to take in information as fast as you possibly can. It It really is. And you've just described maybe one of the best case scenarios, which is, okay, this particular bill or vote, maybe it doesn't really impact my constituency, my district as much. And so I want to learn from from you where it is a greater impact. Um, that's great because now you can have that trust and, and learn from one another and, and work together to understand the best sure. decision you need to make. Um, but there's this other side, which <laughs> is, you know, sometimes, you know, the needs or interests in, in two different legislative districts will be in alignment. Um, or like you say, maybe there's not a whole lot of overlap here, but sometimes the needs and interests are in conflict. Sure. And, and you have to navigate that conflict without necessarily naming <laughs> names, you know, how does that work? Yes. What does that look like? So it's one of the most important parts about legislating because the first scenario that we described is the ideal scenario, scenario one that we could always hope for, but it's really the second scenario that's really more, more likely and happens more often. What you do discover and you learn is once again to, to care about the person. And if you have a relationship with these people, it's going to cause you to, hey, we might disagree. My district might need something differently. But we're going to disagree in a professional way and a way that's respectful. And that's something that's okay. I mean, I think you walk into any profession or any building, but especially the Oklahoma State Legislature, any legislative body. And if you think you're always going to agree with anybody, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So doing it in an agreeable way, one of my favorite sayings, and I try to live by it, I'm not perfect, is it's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to be disagreeable. Mm -hmm. Right. And the thing is, I think that applies. And I think my colleagues and we respect that. We understand that with each other. There's a way of being kind and understanding that we're going to have different needs and it's okay to disagree on this issue, but maybe I'll get you on the next one and we can agree on the next issue. Yeah. So now four years in getting ready for year five, kind of just looking back on your time so far, what are some of the things that you're most proud of? Sure. That's happened uh, yeah. in the legislature. Yeah. So we, we've been through some interesting times and, you know, my very first legislative session, we went through the teacher walkout. We went through, you know, these big headline items that seemed like a very 
loud, you know, where there was a lot of eyes, there was a, uh, you know, a lot of people in the Capitol building that might not have traditionally been there. Um, so I put some thought into this question. I started thinking about different bills and different policies I've worked on. There are some of those that I'm proud of, but really it comes down to the people I've been able to help that are my constituents. Yeah. One of the things behind the scenes that happens a lot when every single legislative office that you're never going to see a press release about, you're never going to see on the news, is just the everyday contacts that you get from regular old people that are having a hard time with something, mm -hmm. that are desperate, and they said, I don't know what else to do, I'm stuck in this, maybe it's DHS, maybe it's at a, you know, a tag agency, there's a whole litany of issues, please help me. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's something, so a lot of people, that's the minutia and that's the stuff they dislike. I like that part. I like knowing that, hey, you know, John Q. Public needed help here and I was able to help do that. And I think that's a very important role of any elected official. And when you start to lose sight of who am I helping and how much effort am I spending to help these people, if you lose sight of that, then maybe it's time to find something else to do. But I'm still passionate about that. It's something I care about and uh, something that I feel like we've accomplished a lot on. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.